plan to spice up the NFL season was to add man-eating tigers to the game. <laughs> we lost a lot of great players that day, and, and that was my bad. Now I'm bringing you the Caesars Sportsbook app. It's got live in-game betting, parlays, and Caesars rewards, people. It's even better than Tiger Ball. Must be 18. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. No, I'm right. Nick Durst here with Joe Calabrese. Joe, very excited to welcome a guest back to the show here. And there's a lot for us to talk about here in the middle of the summer of Cena. So let everybody know who, who we got here with us today. Yeah, he's one of our good friends from afar. Uh, we're going to be talking some Yankees today. We're going to be talking some Mets. And we're going to be talking about SummerSlam and All Out uh, as both companies get ready to renew uh maybe not the monday night war but uh it seems like a war is in the the renewal uh in the works here so uh, we really happen to have him on uh since he was on our show last he joined si and he is now a contributor for them so congrats to him we're really really happy to have him on and i'm going to give him a nickname so dan the man federico dan what's up man how I are you before. <laughs> I, I like that <laughs> Nick, Joe, thank you guys for having me as always. Uh, you guys know I'm always uh, talking with you guys. Love the podcast, love listening. So appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we got a lot to talk about, uh, about some New York baseball. Let's start with the fun stuff. Uh, we got SummerSlam coming up here. You know, Joe and I usually run through the car and look at things from, from a betting perspective. But, I mean, overall right now, your takes on the summer of Cena, it seems like it's added – some pizzazz to, to wrestling programming overall with Cena coming back. The guy's a legend. I mean, his shears have been incredible. Your take on, on John Cena's return. And uh, it's probably only going to last another week here, but it's good to see him back. Yeah. I mean, like you said, he's kind of the, um, the last legend I feel like right now, especially the way things are going. Um, not many guys after him that would be coming back, uh, especially with this and, Wrestling fans haven't seen him in a while, so uh, I was excited to see John Cena. I was never the biggest fan of his when he was active, but I feel like more people our age were, you know, kind of rebelling against him, but always respected his body of work. Um, I understand that he's, you know, at least in my opinion, I would consider him a Mount Rushmore guy for WWE. Um, he had a run on top for so long, so consistent um, that I don't think was really matched by many people. So seeing it back has been great. It's been a boost to the show. Um, clearly, WWE needs him because he's been on Raw and SmackDown. He's been on everything house shows. So selling tickets for anything they could do. And Super, super been- SmackDown and MSG. John Cena. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I'm looking forward to this, uh, this Cena Roman match. I mean, I know we saw it once, but this one's the big one. So it's going to be awesome. Yeah, Joe, I know you hated the first one because of when it was done. Yeah, I, I feel like it was such a throwaway. And for, for two guys, it felt like a generational type of match. And I mean, I'm always going to go and, and say this, but I think uh, that match was a WrestleMania match. And I think the first time they did it, they kind of watered it down a little bit. Uh, at least we're going to get at SummerSlam here. And, and it seems like SummerSlam this year, um, because of the circumstances now that we have people back in the stadium and probably going to get close to a full stadium in Las Vegas, uh, the, the city brought back the mask mandate. So you'll probably see masks all over the stadium uh, next Saturday when they have the show. Uh, but it seems like SummerSlam now is going to be, or WWE is going to try to make it as big, if not bigger, uh, than WrestleMania was. And the card so far has been pretty, pretty good. I think the buildup has been uh, very, very good. So, uh, Nick, if you want to just give us the, the quick run through of some of the matches and yeah. we'll continue talking about that. Right now, we got Roman Reigns at minus 500. John Cena is plus 300. I think we could all agree the head of the table, the tribal chief, will probably win. Uh, I believe the Usos will help him. So, Cena will look okay coming out and loss there. Uh, I think we all agree, but. What, what do we think? Do we think Cena ultimately gets the 17th title reign? We'll start Dan. Yeah, I mean, I think that, especially now with Flair out of, uh, of WWE, which we'll see where he goes. I think if he goes to AEW, maybe they'll push even harder to give Cena that 17th 
I just don't see it happening with Roman at all. I mean, he's just, I would say the peak of his career. Um, he's really firing on all cylinders as a character. Um, and yeah, he's just been, he's been fantastic. So I can't see a way Cena wins. I really would like to see maybe a redo of SummerSlam 2014 where it was Cena Brock and yeah, it was a longer match, but it was basically an extended squash and just Cena, you know, getting squashed. So I, I would like to see Roman do that again and really cement him as that guy. So, um, yeah, I don't know what the plans would be after. Cause then that would be a lot of love to and whoever's going to take down Roman. That's going to be a tall task, but it starts at SummerSlam. I think, I think you should go over Cena, you know, in, in a strong fashion. What do you, what do you think, Jeff? So, Cena beat Styles at the Royal Rumble for his 16th reign in 2017, which was four years ago. Uh, it, I did not, and I don't think anybody else realized that he was going to be kind of fading away as quickly as he did. So um, when you come back and you do a championship reign or you, you're getting ready for a championship run, uh, you need to build a program up or um, rivalry up in that month or two beforehand. And then you need to go on a championship run after the fact. So uh, I don't know if he's got those four, five, six months uh, runs in him left anymore. And I know for, uh, as a respect thing, Flair doesn't mind if he breaks the record. Uh, I can imagine Cena probably wouldn't mind breaking the record, but if he stays tied with Flair, I think that's okay with him. So a couple of years ago, I would have said yes, absolutely. Now, kind of still a little bit on the fence, but I lean now. Yeah, I think if he does break the record, it should be like a big run. Like wins the Raw Rumble, goes right. on to WrestleMania. I don't know how many more matches he has left in him, but I'd love to see him face AJ Styles one more time. I think that would be be tremendous. So we'll have to wait and see there. Uh, AJ, of course, is with Omas, who is just an absolute monster. And it's not going to be long before this guy is a champ, I think. I don't know much more about it. He doesn't have much of a character, but Dan, it seems like, you know, dating back to WrestleMania this year when he had his debut, the fans in person seem to really like him. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, and I'm sure we may get to it, but like the shift in their company's thinking, where like we need to go bigger, uh, no more small guys. I mean, that's the embodiment right there is Omas. So I know I saw on um, uh, Kevin Nash's interview with Stone Cold that he worked with him pretty closely uh, during the pandemic, which I think is a great role because that's kind of how Kevin Nash started. You know, he was just the big, tall guy with Shawn Michaels, you know, trying to help him out. So, I mean, they definitely see money in him. He has a little bit of a personality, too, even in the small sports that he's talking and, and showcasing that. So I think there's a lot of potential. Um, how good he'll be, I don't know, but I don't think that really matters when you have somebody his size, believability. Um, not the type of guy I really watch wrestling for. I'll admit that, but I'm impressed by him, and I'm looking forward to see whatever they do with him because it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think at some point him and Commander Aziz will be scaring <laughs> off uh, yeah. the big guys because you get, you know, We'll jump around here, but uh, the Big Show finally made his in-ring debut on AEW on Dynamite. No more BS uh, comes out to help Tony Schiavone. Wow. What a, I, had, what a uh, I think it was the same guy who did his WWE song voice because it sounded just like it, whatever song they played last night. So that was pretty cool, too. Yeah, so not, not bad, but we'll, we'll see what happens out there. We'll get to AEW momentarily. Now, the other... World Championship match is Goldberg. Who the, everyone still chants his name, so people still like him. And he's going to be taking on the almighty Bobby Lashley. Joe, Lashley is favored, minus 600. Goldberg is plus 350. But I would not rule out Goldberg winning this match. Yeah, well, I think if Goldberg actually wins the match, then you might see a, a certain person cash in his money in the bank contract. Biggie, Big e, by the way, is minus 250. To not cash in plus one seventy five right. to cash in. So I, I would I would think they would save Big E to cash in maybe on Roman. Maybe that's the way you get the the title off Roman. Maybe New Day goes to SmackDown in the draft. I think they gotta reunite them or Big E will probably cash in on Bobby Lashley. Yeah, I think that's more likely. Um, but just to keep it in the back of your mind, Big E has said on his podcast, on the New Day podcast that his dream match is against Goldberg. So probably likely not going to happen. Goldberg is doing these one-off appearances now where you get the name power. And yes, you're right, people still chant his name. So as much as people complain on the line, the live crowd still love him. Uh, we saw this happen at the Royal Rumble. A lot of people thought, oh, is Goldberg going to beat Drew McIntyre? Didn't happen. Actually had a pretty good match under the circumstances. I thought Goldberg looked really well. So um, 
Probably not going to be a long match, but again, same kind of logic here. Bobby Lashley's had been having a really tremendous championship run, and uh, I think it's going to continue. I, you know, I just I can't see Goldberg winning it anyway, unless the plan, like I said, is for Biggie to cash in, and then maybe they want to do Bobby Lashley versus Biggie in the fall. But that would require uh, Biggie going to Raw, and they're probably going to hold off on that until the draft, which I think now is in late September, October. I forgot the date; they kind of moved it back, but so I think Lashley will win there. Yeah, we'll say because uh, you know the, one of my favorite WrestleMania matches a few years ago was Goldberg versus Lesnar. So if you give me that same type of match here between Lashley and Goldberg, I think Lashley's capable of it. I think uh, people would be probably pleased with that type of match, Dan. Yeah, I, I agree with that match. I thought I loved it. I wasn't a fan of them really feuding, but when it was like a eight minute just spam finisher type, that was awesome. It was great to see. Yeah. So like that, I think Bobby Lashley's been great. Um, love him as champion. He's believable. He's another one, like big guy, um, kind of larger than life character. Um, so I've been a huge fan. The only thing that makes me nervous, because I don't want to see Goldberg win at all, is that once Goldberg beat the Fiend, I know that was like a Saudi show and you know, those get weird. But when they did that, I feel like all bets are off and like they don't care who it is. So I'm kind of nervous about SummerSlam. But I am hoping that if he does win, like we said, that's when Big E will come in, cash in, and get that title because he's going to be a champion one day. I mean, obviously, he has money in the bank, so the likelihood's even higher. But the way they've been booking him for the last year or so, he's primed to be a main event player for a long time. So I'm hopeful. Um, would like to see Lashley win and then feud with Big E after somehow, you know, like you said, maybe in the draft, uh, get Big E over to Raw. But worst case scenario, Lashley, um, excuse me, Goldberg wins, but then Big E cashes in. So. Yeah, we, we, we'll see. I mean, there's always a possibility that Goldberg's going to win. Uh, you know, he's, he's here to put people over, but he's got to win some matches. Otherwise, it's like, all right, he's coming in. You know he's going to lose. So at some point, he's got to win some sort of match. He, he, he beat The Fiend. He beat Dolph Ziggler. Um, other than that, I don't know if he has too many wins the last few years here. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, Lashley's been great. I don't really like MVP. I think MVP kind of holds him back as the champion. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I think MVP probably does get speared though at some point in that match. Uh, and um, he's gonna have to maybe need two canes instead of one. All right, now we got the boss is back. She's taking on Bianca. Uh, Bianca is favored at minus 200. Sasha is plus 150. I'm going with the boss here. Uh, she's, she's, she came back, she turned heel. What's she gonna come back? after months off and lose again, where does she go from there? She's got, I think she's got to win this match. Uh, heel Sasha is the best. The problem with heel Sasha is she's so good that eventually everyone cheers for her. So you really can't have her be a heel for too long. Dan, we'll start with your thoughts on this match first. Yeah. So, you know, I know WWE gets a lot of flack for uh, rematches, but this, it is a rematch, but it's a rematch from WrestleMania and they haven't interacted until a couple weeks ago since. So it still feels fresh to me. Um, they work great together and I'm in your camp. I think that, you know, coming back, Sasha's one of their biggest stars. Um, she needs to get the title and it has nothing to do with Bianca. I mean, I, I think WWE sometimes runs into a problem where all their champions are just champions for months and months and months like I don't think there's anything wrong with Sasha winning and then Bianca winning next pay-per-view and kind of flip like you know just add a little spice to it so but I, I do think that SummerSlam it should be Sasha's night I mean coming back from this long again she's one of their top superstars male or female um it would be the right call and, and Bianca's had a great run but you know she has a great future too so it's not like this will be the end of the world for her either what do you think Joe yeah, no, I happen to agree with that. And the term you're, you're thinking of is playing hot potato with the title, which a lot of people don't necessarily like, but I always believe that it's very hyper-specific to the, the, the circumstances going on. And uh, Nick is 100% right when he says, why bring Sasha back if you're going to have a lose? Unless the plan for her is to go to Raw in the draft and then have her lose to Bianca one more time and have her look really, really strong. But um uh, I think Bianca will win, but I, I would like for Sasha to win. And I agree with the logic, Dan. It, it, it makes sense to have her win and then at least have the third match of the next pay-per-view or the pay-per-view after that, maybe Hell in a Cell. And then she loses and then she goes off and you have Bianca in that spot. 
where you usually do the Raw champion versus the SmackDown champion at Survivor Series because she's definitely earned that spot. And, um, but yeah, no, I, I, again, taking elements of what you both said. I mean, I love Sasha. She's my favorite. Uh, I want her to win again, but again, I don't want her to win and then have her go on a long reign with the title and then kind of dim Bianca star a little bit because Bianca is incredible. She's unbelievable to watch. They, they, to me, they're clearly right now, uh, them two and Charlotte are still, you know, one, two, three in the entire company. They're all clicking and firing on all cylinders. So I think yeah. Bianca will win, but I would like Sasha to win. All right. That's, that's good. Good thoughts there from us all on the same page. Uh, all right. Nikki Ash, the champ, taking on Rhea Ripley and Charlotte. I can't stand Rhea Ripley. I think she's like this hardcore, boring as hell character that has nothing. And she's getting booze too. So um, I would expect more of that. People say, oh, I hate Charlotte. I'm going to boo her. But that's because she's so great. She's the best, the greatest <laughs> of all time. And she's, she wants you to hate her. So she's doing what she wa- you're supposed to do. Um, Nikki Ash is actually favored in this one at, at minus 125. Um, I don't know, guys. I don't know where, where I'm going, leaning with this one. Uh, I could see it really going anyway, but I guess I'll say Nikki is, is going to win. Uh, you know, she, she beat Charlotte in an awesome match on Raw. So... We'll say, does, does Charlotte take the pin again? I'm sure she wouldn't mind. Maybe Rhea, Maybe it's going to be Rhea. I don't know. Maybe, I, I think there might be something where, you know, Charlotte has Rhea in the figure eight, but then Nikki jumps on top of her for a pin or something like that, a crazy finish. What do you think, Dan? COVID-19 is still around, but that doesn't mean the Army ROTC programs are not there for you. Earn scholarships for school and pursue the career you want. The leadership-developing Army ROTC classes will give any full-time student the focus and resources that can open doors down the road. Start sharpening the skills that will carve out your future today. Learn how at GoArmy.com ROTC. Army ROTC, now accepting college scholarship applications. Visit GoArmy.com slash money for college. COVID-19 is still around, but that doesn't mean the Army ROTC programs are not there for you. Earn scholarships for school and pursue the career you want. The leadership-developing Army ROTC classes will give any full-time student the focus and resources that can open doors down the road. Start sharpening the skills that will carve out your future today. Learn how at GoArmy.com ROTC. Army ROTC, now accepting college scholarship applications. Visit GoArmy.com money for college. Um, I feel like anytime there's these matches like this and Charlotte's in it and she's not champion, I always just think she's going to end up winning it. Um, so I'm going to say her, um, like you said about Rhea, I mean, there's just something missing than what she was doing in NXT. I don't know what it is, uh, but she just doesn't have that it factor because I was a big fan of hers in NXT. Um, and it just hasn't translated to the main roster. So um, that'll be interesting to see. I mean, Nikki, I was always a fan of hers. Um, this gimmick's uh, not for me, but I know it's not for me. So I, I understand that. Um, she's interesting. Uh, I'm glad she got, finally got her moment, even though I liked her more as like the, the Nikki Cross of sanity. But, um, but yeah, she's doing a great job. Uh, but I'm going to lean Charlotte just because, like I said, anytime she's not champion, going into a championship match, I just assume she's going to win. So I'll, I'll stick with her. <laughs> that's, that's definitely fair. Fair enough. <laughs> you'd be right more times than you'd be wrong on that bet. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, so I think uh, I'll start with Rhea to answer your point. They brought her in. She had the match with Oscar at WrestleMania. She was presented in that very heelish way. And then after Asuka, probably, she's probably taking time off now. Um, after that, they had Charlotte and Rhea on TV for a couple of months. And you didn't know who was the one you were supposed to cheer for. You didn't know who you were supposed to boo. So despite... I mean, I, I really enjoyed Rhea in NXT. Um, I think they kind of botched her raw kind of run at the start a little bit. Uh, I think she's getting momentum now that the live crowds are starting to, to cheer for her again, which is nice. But for a couple of months, those two just didn't click. You know, it, it, it just wasn't working. And a lot of people were still missing Asuka or kind of wanting something different. So I think what they did with Nikki, and again, the character is not necessarily for us. It's for eight-year-old girls and eight-year-old girls are, girls are eating it up. My, uh, my cousin's got two daughters and they both love her, you know, so take that how you will. Um, but I think Nikki having that moment for her, which was very well-earned and well-deserved, 
Uh, I think that was kind of the, the jolt that you needed in the raw women's division because she came out and then two weeks later or for two consecutive weeks, she had really great matches with Charlotte on raw. And that notice qualification match that they had was really, really good too. So um, in terms of winning, I'm with Dan. If Charlotte's not the champion and she's going into a championship match. I just, I have this instinct that she's going to win. And, and I do think that she will win because I think the plan for Nikki is to get her to the top, have her taste that little run at the top. She already beat Charlotte one-on-one, so you know she's capable of doing it. And now if you take the title away from her, the people are going to want to see it happen again. And I think Vince probably knows that better than anybody else. So um, I think Rhea's in the mix. I think she's kind of a little bit of the red herring here. Uh, so I'm going to agree with Dan. I'm going to say Charlotte will leave Raw uh, as Raw Women's Champion at SummerSlam. And I think a lot of people are going to be upset. Nick, you know, you this, know this is what I'll say. If Charlotte, <laughs> if Charlotte wins, um, I think she's going to lose the title at the next pay-per-view um, to Raquel Gonzalez, who I think will lose at TakeOver. She'll be on Raw the next night. Come on out. Because Raquel versus Charlotte, I think, would be a big-time match. Raquel versus a lot of people would be a big-time match. It's kind of sucks that she'll, I think she'll have a short NXT title reign, but they got to get her up to the main roster here. Um, but we'll talk NXT momentarily. All right. The other big storyline right now, it's going to be Alexa Bliss versus either Eva Marie or Dewdrop. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a huge fan of Eva Marie and Dewdrop. I don't care about Alexa Bliss right now. I'm surprised she didn't win money in the bank. I hate the freaking doll. Um, now people are saying, oh, it's a work. Bray Wyatt's going to come back and burn the doll. I mean, enough. I can't. I don't like this. I don't like this ECW and sci-fi type of storylines. Uh, Dan, you know, what do you think about Bliss right now and overall the return of Eva Murray? Yeah, I mean, Bliss got the, the Bray Wyatt rub, I guess, and she's just, you know, go, going with his gimmick pretty much, which is fine. Um, I don't know if we're going to talk about Bray, but it's, it's pretty crazy how that ended up working out. But Eva Marie was somebody who, when she first got called up after her run in NXT and, like, they were doing, like, the entrance and all that, yeah. I think great uh i thought that was i, I thought she was definitely going to be women's champion one day but i just feel like the the time in between then and now completely lost that luster in the middle um i think a lot of there's different fans now different things where she comes back and just not there and that's what i feel i mean she has piper nevin Dewdrop. i don't know she's not like neither of them are really doing it for me so I, I'm just going to say Alexa's going to win with some sort of magic, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Not, not really interesting to me. So, well, maybe, I mean, even Marie was throwing out the first pitch for the San Francisco giants. Maybe she has the mascot come out to help uh, vanquish the doll. I don't know. What do you think, Joe? <laughs> uh, here's what I will say about the doll. Um, my mom watches raw with me now. She's been watching it since WrestleMania, like straight through, like we watch it every week. Um, she asked for me to get, lily for her birthday because she's very into stuff like that and she's going to display it on her bed so i'm waiting for the doll to come <laughs> uh so i i that's that's what i'll say about that um <laughs> but yeah i mean eva came back i don't know i i i feel like she's just there yeah um, and and alexa has a problem because we all know how she got the character and now the reason why she got the character is not in company anymore but his bio page is still on wwe.com which is a little strange to me so um i i i get why nick is like oh i don't want to hear it i don't want to hear it i don't want to hear it but if you fire a guy and he's still on the website it's a little weird so what do you what do you think dan you think bray wyatt will wrestle again or you think he's gonna be out for, like or you think he's gonna do what he usually does when he's an active wrestler stay home and not wrestle <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think he'll be back. Um, I saw, I think it was Vince Russo or someone said he should be the next Jason or Freddy. Like they make movies about the fiend, which I listen, man, that, that'd be cool. But um, I don't know. I feel like he's gotten his blood. He's, he's a third generation wrestler. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I see how people are on the fence with him. I was always a big fan of him, regardless of character um, and his in ring, whatever have it. I always liked his, like how he was displayed. So I'd be happy to see him back. Um I want to I see him be a tag team with his brother. Listen, maybe they could both be either fiends or you got to you know, believe. Two point oh, who knows? You know. Yeah, we yeah, shall. We, shall, we yeah. shall see. I'm not big on the guy, but everyone who's immediately like he's going to AEW, 
pump the brakes because we got a problem with AEW, which is that everyone who is released for WWE goes to AEW and they're not building any new stars. It's just all recycled people. Um, we'll get to that momentarily. I want to talk about one last match for SummerSlam, and that is Edge for Seth Rollins. Right now, Edge is favored at minus 300. Uh, you would think, all right, Seth is definitely going to win this match. I think Edge will win this one. I think they'll have another match at some point. Um, both of these guys in the mix here to perhaps swap brands in the draft. Uh, I think it's it should be a good match. Um, I would love to uh, see Seth Rollins stop dressing horribly. So maybe Edge can help him out with that. But I don't really love either of these guys, but they are good. Uh, Joe, what, what do you think on this one? Yeah, I, I think this is going to be the match of the night. I think they're going to get a lot of time to do whatever they want. I think most importantly, the backstory is here. And they kind of lucked into that a little bit because nobody ever expected Edge to come back to the ring. I mean, come on. But the backstory is there. And what's also nice is that the career trajectory of Seth Rollins, you, don't, you didn't realize it because Edge was gone for such a long time. And then when Edge comes back, Obviously, the two of them are not interacting, but when you look at their career trajectories, they're both the same, you know, kind of tag wrestlers, um, guys who are like strong mid-card guys, one man money in the bank, had a big money in the bank moment, um, guys who are, who are known for their ability in the ring and uh, have been loved by the fans and both hated by the fans. So I think the promo that Edge cut on SmackDown you know, saying that he was basically, you know, a cheaper version of himself. Uh, I thought that was brilliant. I think uh, everything is setting up here for these two guys to have the match of the night, possibly the match of the year. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like that, the, the hype behind this, I think is going to be like Cena versus Styles a couple years ago at SummerSlam. That's how I'm excited about it uh, for it. You know, you give these guys 20 minutes and they will steal the show. So, uh, and I also think because this, this is so personal and it is being built so personal, this is something that I could see lasting until Hell in a Cell. Because as we know, like the match and the, the pay-per-view concept itself is so watered down. They do two or three every year, kind of lost its luster over the years. But uh, if they get this one right, this would, this could be worthy of the sell down the line if that's the route that they go. So I'm really excited for it. And I do think Edge is going to win because I think if it does continue. He's on a three-match losing streak. He's got to win. Right, he's got to win. And then – if they, if they do continue it, it, it would make sense for Seth to be the guy standing tall at the very end, you know, not at the beginning. So I, I, do, I do think it will win. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, um, I agree with Joe in the sense that the story's there. Um, it's personal, which always, for me, makes things uh, more enjoyable, I'd say. I, I'm not the biggest Edge fan in terms of in-ring work. Um, I think when it comes to entrance and presentation, he's a star. But then what's the bell rings? I was never crazy about him. Uh, but I believe Seth Rollins is arguably the best wrestler in the entire company. Um, I think he'd get a good match out of anybody. So I'm really expecting this match to be a big one. I, I don't know. Match of the year, I'd say for me, I don't see that. But match of the night, definitely in play. And either way, I think it's going to be a, a big match to look forward to. And I think it's going to be a good one. So looking forward to it. All right. Quickly now, NXT. Apparently the plans now are for NXT to go back to being truly a developmental league, uh, which I think is the way to go. Uh, NXT has been really hard for me to watch the last two years. I really hate every storyline. Um, you know, the last character they truly built up from scratch was Velveteen Dream, who they ended up releasing. Uh, so now they got to, I think they should go back to creating new characters. And like John Cena said, you got to stop relying on the old guys. You got to go to the future here. So I don't need all these, you know, 35, 36-year-old guys coming over from the Indies going to NXT. Joe, I know you're a big fan of uh, a certain NXT talent right now in the breakout tournament, but uh, what do you think the direction should be here for NXT? You know, I, I totally agree. I think NXT, when you look back on it, my favorite period was from 2015 up until like 17. And during that period of time was when they were building – uh, all the stars, right? So that's when obviously the four horsewomen were still down there. Uh, and they kind of mixed in people like uh, Samoa Joe to work with a guy who they developing like Baron Corbin. Um, 
you know, uh, that's when KO and Sammy were there and Finn was there, but those are really only the guys that they brought over. Everybody else was kind of in that developmental tra trajectory or they were somebody who was signed to be at the performance center to, to come in and, and work NXT once a month. And that's what I think uh, a, a lot of people enjoyed about NXT was it had that feeling kind of like that AAA feeling, you know what I mean? Like, and I think, it got so big, ultimately, they had to do what they had to do, which was put it on USA. Every now and then you send a big star to NXT, makes a big appearance. I know the NXT episodes where you had like Sasha and Bailey both go down there were, were some of the higher rated NXT episodes uh, during its run on USA. But this is ultimately, I think, the correct move. And I know a lot of people are going to disagree with it, but I think a lot of talent in NXT was floundering because they were purposely being kept in, in NXT. And there's only so much you can do in, in that, that smaller sphere, because obviously NXT, to comparison to Raw and SmackDown, doesn't get nearly as much attention. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I love NXT, oh, I love NXT, oh, I love NXT, but Raw and SmackDown gets millions of viewers. Their YouTube videos do six and seven figures. Um, Every now and then you get a video like a John Cena return where it just, you know, explodes. In comparison, NXT doesn't have that popularity. And a lot of the, the audience overlap for NXT and Raw and SmackDown, you know, quite frankly, isn't really as strong. I think as a lot of people think it is. And you yeah. can... When people come up, like, look, look at Karrion Cross. He comes to Raw and no one knew right. who he was. So. Yeah, nobody knew who he was. Uh, and, and, and the truth of the matter is, I know you're not a, the, the, a fan of him because... Again, you don't really like those characters like the Crosses of the world, Alistair Blacks of the world. I hate them. Ray Wyatt's. No, I, no, I totally understand that. It's your, your taste or your taste. That's totally fine. But Karrion Cross came up and he had a match with Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy was the one in the arena who was getting more cheered. And mm -hmm. I love Karrion Cross's character. But as somebody who can think rationally from a casual fan's perspective, that, that did not seem right to me. You know what I mean? So whether right. it's because he didn't have Scarlet or not, who knows? But that's a problem when your NXT champion goes to Raw and a legend who's been around there 20 years and the internet always complains about the legend still being around for that person to get more cheers. That's a, a red flag. When you, when, you have, when, when you have somebody who could be a megastar, they should surpass NXT. Like Reggie, put him right on SmackDown, put him on Raw. <laughs> the guy's incredible. I mean, he's better. He's better gymnast than Olympians. So uh, yeah, and I think NXT... You know, they're in a bit of a rut right now. The only good thing about NXT is Mandy Rose, but I don't know why she's in NXT. She should be fighting for a championship on Raw SmackDown, so it does disappoint me. What do you think, Dan? So I'm going to preface this by saying that I'm a full-fledged, like, NXT guy since 2014, been to seven takeover shows, um, just love everything about that show, even from the days when it was developmental till it became, like, an indie all-star fed. Like, that's what, what it ended up becoming before I went to USA. Um, but I do think now it's funny because like you said, speaking rationally, I, I loved like the way they were doing things. I didn't have a problem with anything. But when you see in Vince's eyes where he's going to put them on USA to battle this new show, they get destroyed by AEW objectively. And now he sees the roster with 35 year old guys that are five foot eight, 170 pounds. Um, Adam with, Cole, baby. Joe's guy. He's going <laughs> to gonna... lose a takeover and he'll be gone, I think. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to shit on Adam Cole. Excuse my French. But I, I do think I could see why Vince is like, listen, this isn't working out. Let's start from scratch. And a lot of this I agree with. I mean, why not switch it up and try something different? Um, it, it, things are different for everybody. The, the, the loud people online are going to be the ones that are most upset. But right. I don't know if it's really going to affect much of NXT. I don't know. Like, I think... The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Hear that? That's the sound of someone trying to steal your crypto. 
Every day, thousands of hackers online are doing the same. That's why Arculus uses air-gapped cold storage technology to protect your assets. Using our keycard and wallet app to form a protective barrier, Arculus insulates you from hackers and puts control of your digital assets back in your hands. Order the first truly air-gapped crypto wallet at GetArculus.com. Personally, they should put like Dominic Mysterio on NXT and just let him go and be like a 24-year-old just young guy on there, fresh face. People like that. You, you hear the rumors about Gable Steveson, like throw him on NXT if he signs and just let him run through everybody. I'd be fine with that. So I don't know. I, I enjoyed, I loved NXT for what it was, um, especially, you know, going to those takeover shows when you see like Aleister Black and Adam Cole, Ricochet, G Tommaso Chop, like all these guys going nuts for 20 minutes. It was great. But I think it's time to switch it up. Yeah, I'd love to yeah. finally see Ciampa and Gargano on the main roster. I think the Garganos are expecting a child now. So yeah. maybe Johnny's going to move on to the main roster. I think you have to take one step back to take two steps forward. I think that's where NXT is right now. Yeah. Yeah. NXT, if you look at when it was at its peak, all those people were homegrown and now they're on the main roster. So uh, then that, that's that transition here to AEW before we get to baseball. Um, they got a problem because they have built one star and that is Britt Baker. They built her up, but look at, look at their main, uh, people right now. And maybe after I read them, you'll, you'll figure out what they have in common. Chris Jericho, <laughs> John Moxley, Sting, Paul White, Mark Henry. Who cares about Mark Henry? Cody Rhodes, Brandy Rhodes, Christian Cage, Matt Hardy, Rusev. Gold dust. Rusev. I mean, <laughs> Neville. Uh, the Revival, who suck. Uh, Sean Spirit, who's the perfect zero. Jack Hager, who nobody cares about at all whatsoever. Um, and now they're looking to do some more damage here. They're going to, you know, they're likely going to sign Daniel Bryan, which that's great. I mean, you got to do that. CM Punk, do that. They should get Braun Strowman. I don't know why they wouldn't want to. Um, but Joe, what, what do all these people have in common? They all came from WWE. And yeah. I, I, so they're starting to build the, the all out card. Right. And uh, they've only had a couple of matches announced so far. Uh, two of the main matches that they've announced so far are Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage. That'll be for the AEW world title. And then Pac Neville, right. Against Andrade. Right. So we saw Omega versus Christian not too long ago. And a lot of people seem to complain about WWE. Oh, you, you do rematches a lot, this and that. Well, this is AEW pulling one from the WWE playbook. Uh, Omega and Cage are going to have a very quick turnaround rematch for the world title. And we also didn't even mention the, uh, the awful Mr. Clean Ball Twins, the Good Brothers, who are in there dominating, coming from Impact. I mean, it's just... It's just, I can't stand these young bucks. I mean, these guys are killing the business. They don't know what they're doing bucking-wise, and the show is all about them, but continue, Jeff. Yeah, so with Pac and Andrade, it kind of felt like AEW was saying, yeah, we know you, we signed you guys, and probably you figured you were going to get a much more bigger prominent role here. So our apologies to you now is that you're going to be one of our focal points in this show. And we're going to probably give you some time to let you guys do whatever you want. But I remember when a lot of people were really excited that Miro uh, went to AEW. And I think for the first couple of months, uh, I don't think what he was doing direction wise and with his character was oh, really horrible. connecting with people. I think, I think <laughs> they got to bring in Lana. A, I think, I guess they're going to do that. He was more of a side act, I think, doing what he was doing than he is now. And I think they finally figured out what to do with him now. This is the last couple of weeks. He's been absolute the best he's been in AEW. And he's awesome to watch now. But uh, in the case of Andrade, Andrade debuted and everybody went nuts. And everybody was like, wow, Andrade is finally away from the shackles of WWE. He's going to get time. Um, his English is still a problem. And he hasn't really been featured prominently. And what, uh, what happened? He, he was with Vicky Guerrero on the next week. And then he was Chavo. with Chavo, right? Uh, yeah. So that was yeah, that was a little weird. But it's I think a little, Chavo, I think it's a little crazy. Better to with him. Right. But so. yeah, it's gonna be you know. Uh, and then then when they do bring in young guys or people you know relatively unknown, 
like Will Hobbs or Wardlow or Brian Cage, they lose all their matches. I don't like Lance Archer. He came in, he instantly lost. Um, I want to see Brian Cage versus Christian Cage in a cage <laughs> match. Winner gets the cage last name. Um, Taz is awesome. He's cool. I don't, I don't really know what, they know what they're doing there, but with that Team Taz stuff. But, I mean, it, the show is enjoyable at times, but it's I think it's too much of the same stuff. But the Young Bucks are in every other segment. Um, everything has about every – there's about five or six factions right now on the show. So every match ends with a run-in from a whole crew of people. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's – is it lazy booking? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's good, but um, I, I think, Dan, they need to try to focus on building up new stars, which we thought they were going to do with Adam Page, but um, they're going to put that on the back burner for now. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with some of the stuff you guys said, but also I think of, like, you know, Darby Allen's a huge star for them, at least as a homegrown star, like a young guy. They push him a lot. Jungle Boy, MJF, like these are guys that I think that are young um, and they're featured. And I, I think they are doing a good job. But at the same time, and of course, you'll see online, well, they don't sign a lot of uh, WWE stars, but they, they do, though. Like there is a lot of guys and I, I don't blame them. I mean, if CM Punk and Daniel Bryan and Alistair yeah, Black, yeah. if these guys Black, are going to yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, in my opinion, well, I, think Black, I mean, Black, I don't think is on the same level as Punk. Brian no, I, and Strum. He's he's a tier below. Yeah. I think I but I think like the Andrade black signings were like done correctly. Obviously, Daniel Bryan, Punk. Um, it's interesting actually not to uh veer off, but you know, they're obviously very much hinting at punk, but they're very quiet about DB. So I don't know. I, I I'm sure he signed. I I think all those rumors were very true, but I'm just curious as to know what's gonna happen, like how he eventually debuts. But um, but yeah, I mean AEW kind of took what NXT was for me um, in terms of now I just enjoy their product as the alternative. And it seems more for me. Like, I feel like when I watch it, I'm watching people that are like my age um, watching the show as well. When you see them in the stands. So I, I enjoy it. Um, there are a lot of the things people look past that they would crush WWE for, which I think is, you know, it is what it is. That's what happens when you're like the internet favorite. Um, so there's definitely things to work out, but at the same time, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm looking forward to, it looks like CM Punk next week will be, will be here. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, seeing how he is and just where things go. Although I was looking forward to Hangman winning at all out. He's another, obviously one of their young guys, but I guess in their eyes, if you're going to have, CM Punk and probably Daniel Bryan there at All Out. It's like, why overshadow Hangman's moment, which I don't agree with, but I could kind of rationalize it. Now, the, the guy that actually is their biggest star, they kind of tempered it down a little bit. But this guy should have been world champion, Orange Cassidy. I think if, if he beat, if he had beaten Omega, I don't think anybody would have uh, complained other than the internet hardcores, but he's very over. Um, he had an awesome history with Jericho, was incredible. Um, but listen, when it comes to the world title picture in AEW, uh, I, I, I said this to Joe previously, I said, if, if Daniel Bryan's coming in, like he needs to be right in the world title picture, same thing for Strum. Like, I don't want to see him teetering at the, at the middle of the bottom of the card, you know, doing stuff with Christian or, you know, so, you know, or, or Alistair Black or Darby Allen. Like he, they, he's at this level where you got to, they got to push him or Punk right to the top. Maybe Punk could Punk could probably doesn't even need the title as much, but I'd assume Punk's going to come in. You think he's going to be a heel? I don't think I don't think he's going to go straight for Omega. Uh, I can't see Punk and Brian coming in within five weeks of each other and all out, and then maybe in in New York or Arthur Ashe Stadium, and then both being faces. Um, I, I would think of ultimately they want to maybe have those two face each other. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, so I think rampage the first dance i think it just has to start with um you know music cuts out and there's just no 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 music no nothing just right to the crowd it's quiet for like 10 seconds everybody going crazy and then just hit colt's personality i think that's the way to go for him um i think i agree with you 100 about daniel bryan i think this man was just in the main event of wrestlemania six months ago right. you have to take that use that momentum and push him right to the top punk i think he would fall under the fiend when he first debuted where, um, you know, he, he made, he had the great, you know, backstage segments and all that stuff um, character wise. And then they say right away, go to the championship match, 
right away champion. It's like, he doesn't need that. He just let him be. So I think with Punk, he's in a way bigger than the championship, especially right off the bat. So you don't need to have him mixing it up with Kenny Omega right away. I think he should be somebody who comes in and kind of does his own thing, whether it be with Darby Allen, who, you know, kind of put out that challenge already or someone like that, work with some young guys. I, I think that would be the way to go. And, uh, and, and that would be a way to, you know, separate him from automatically going from debut to championship to, you know, then what do you do? So it's kind of, instead of burning it out quickly, I'd rather it be more of a slow yep. burn. I agree. And I think another thing they got to do now, they got to do Omega versus Jericho again, but this time the roles are reversed. Jericho is AEW. So whatever they do, they need to lock him up long-term as long as they can. Because, I mean, honestly, if Jericho called Vince tomorrow and was like, hey, my contract's expired. I want to wrestle at SummerSlam. It's done. Like, he could do whatever he wants. So it's very crucial to, to lock Jericho up like Give him a lifelong contract. I think ultimately he will have uh, a retirement match in the next few years in WWE. Um, yes. I think they'll put him in the Hall of Fame, but then, you know, he could jump, come back. Maybe he could be a manager. I'm sure he'd be better than the awful managers they got in Jake Roberts, who his guy just keeps losing, except he's the <laughs> champ now. Um, you know, all these Tully Blanchard and all them. So we shall see. It's, it's going to be interesting. It's a busy time for wrestling. It's also, we're coming to the end here of the MLB season. Of course, Joe Dan is known as an LB insider and, as you mentioned, a Sports Illustrated contributor. Uh, I know you guys are dying to talk Yankees, but let's talk about the bad first. That's the New York Mets. I don't know what is going Get it out of the way. <laughs> There's still in contention here, but, um, you know, I said it when they brought the guy back. I said, this is not going to work. They bring back Sandy Alderson, and it has not worked out. Questionable hires, of course, with you know, off the field issues, which shows he maybe isn't vetting through people properly in the interview process. Um, Dan, they, they, they could have signed Springer. They could have signed Real Muto. They could have traded for Bryant. They traded for Splendor, who struggled. They signed him, locked him up. They signed McCann, who's a $40 million backup catcher at this point. Uh, and they trade for Baez, who, you know, if maybe if the Mets wanted to run a promotion where, Mets fans get a dollar off a ticket every time Bias strikes out. The fans will love him, but this guy is just swinging, missing everything. Reports now that I'm hearing is that Cohen is looking to do what he should have, what he tried to do in the offseason, which is bring in a president of baseball operations in the offseason. Um, everybody points the indicator at Theo Epstein, but I don't know if Theo wants to get back into things. Maybe they give him a piece of the ownership and a lot of money. Then he says, okay, but it seems like Theo's pretty uh, happy in the commissioner's office. Uh, what have you heard about the, the future of the, the Mets organization? And I'd assume if they miss the playoffs, that's going to be all she wrote for Luis Rojas. He will definitely be the scapegoat for Sandy Alderson. Yeah. So to, to start with what you said last, I know once Theo uh, you know, left the Cubs, the Mets were like the logical choice. I, I heard from a few people in baseball that said that could be a match at some point. Um, so I would keep my eyes on that. I, nothing's obviously concrete, but that's a guy who they'll definitely target. Um, the Lindor trade, I was all about. I, I thought it was worth it. Obviously, nobody, you know, you you, you want to dig into his numbers really and, and see, okay, maybe he wasn't as great as people think, but I still thought it was a worthy move. Um but like you said, McCann, like they, they went right after him right away. Um, I would have sat back a little and see what happened with Real Muto. I mean, he's by far a better player. McCann was somebody who kind of came off of, okay, he, he's he's playing good now, but he, his track record isn't great. So, like, where like is it worth giving him that big of a contract? So, that was a little iffy. Um, like you said, I, I thought Chris Bryant was the perfect fit for them, even though I, uh, I know, you know, J.D. Davis w- was playing OK at the position anyway. So it wasn't like it was dire need, but neither was getting Javi Baez. So um, th- but they were obviously looking to upgrade where they could chose Baez again, big strikeout guy. So it's been interesting. Um, started out hot, started out great. And, you know, you like that there seemed like there was a lot of camaraderie, which is huge. Obviously, losing to Grom was going to be uh, a killer, but um, you didn't expect this fall right away. So, um, yeah, I think, I don't know. I think there's promise. I, I had a lot of high hopes for the Mets going into this year. Um, I thought they were going to be what they were um, the first half, which was ahead of the pack in the National League East. Um, but th- there's definitely some moves that you can make changes there as well. And whether that's going to have to be in the offseason, unfortunately, instead of doing it at like a deadline, 
um, is, you know, what's going to end up happening. But yeah, I don't know. It's just like this free fall. Just they, they, nothing seems like it's going right, which unfortunately, as you would know, is just kind of like the MO for the Mets. So what frustrates me about the Mets at the trade deadline uh, is that they have the worst closer in the game, Edwin Diaz. He's got like a 4.5 year, right? They don't, it, you were keeping the, at the closer fine. You should have got somebody in the ballpark at least, right? Uh, then you, you knew DeGrom was going to be out for all of August. At this point, maybe he's done for the year, which is a shame because I thought he was going to win the MVP. He was on pace. Um, and you get McWilliams in the trade <laughs> with Baez, and that, he's got a 5.6 year, right? That's your big – I mean, you got you got to get started. I don't know. Maybe the market closed in. You could have you got somebody – um, I thought they should have even gotten Bryant in the offseason because I said, why don't you get Bryant here next year? You could sign a shortstop if you want, and you still have two shortstop options for this season. Things did not work out well for the Mets, but I say to me and Joe say all the time where it's like the Mets are a team that is like built for October, but they're not built for the regular season. And I feel like the Yankees are built for the regular season, not October, which is weird. Um, but like the, the Dodgers – like they would not want to see the Mets in a, in a series because they know they got to face the Grom twice. And that's the only way that I could see anybody stopping the Dodgers is, you know, they, let's, they snuck, they sneak those, you got to sneak out two wins somehow. But if you know the Grom's on the mound, it's tough. So, I mean, right now I think, how do you not pick the Dodgers to go back to the world series? I mean, and that's what's even more frustrating for Mets fans is that you're looking at the Dodgers they're picking up Turner and Scherzer for nothing. Uh, Scherzer, of course, said, I'm not coming to the Mets. Um, but I don't know. I mean, if you're, if you're a betting man, at least you got you to gotta bet the Brewers right now. The Brewers get to play the NL East winner. Um, and then they, they take a shot at the Dodgers if the Dodgers go in the wild card game. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. And uh, I think right now we're looking at, looking at the Dodgers going back to the world series uh joe your phone at the mouth here i know you're dying to talk some yankees so let's do it yeah i'm dying to to talk yankees uh but to your point uh, what i will say is we we talked about the, the the brewers before and them getting the nl east winner i think is going to be easy on them as we know these those short wild card series a lot of wacky things usually happen and the nl west triad is unbelievably ridiculous so. don't sleep on the reds reds no, might no, sneak in the, over the padres but uh, the, joey the, vado is joey vado the mvp if the reds make the playoff <laughs> he's playing well resurgence what do you think he's about awesome. mvp guys do you think because tatis still leading all the categories but voters i don't think would give it to him because he missed too many games so i think you're looking at maybe buster posey um or whoever wins the least, freeman or harper what, what do you think dan yeah, I could see I, – I think Freeman's a good bet. Um, I, I like – you know, he's been that consistency for the Braves and they're, you know, still fighting for it. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I think he would be a good fit for that. Um, but, again, the Giants, I mean, they're just I, – I, I was saying the other day, um, I just feel like I always want to say they're going to start regressing, but I've been saying that for like two months now and they're still not regressing. So, it seems like they're all out too. I mean, Buster Posey, whatever surge, it's another one. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a toss-up. Obviously, Tatis has always been the favorite, but like you said, the injuries have, you know, kind of hampered that. So it'll be interesting. It's definitely going to be a robust race, I'd say. Yeah, and Cy Young, I think. I mean, people are saying Walker Bueller, but I think if the Phillies make the playoffs, how do you not give it to Zach Wheeler? I mean, he's been he's been awesome. Yeah, Zach Wheeler's been a beast. Another guy the Mets unfortunately gave up, but yeah, it's definitely uh, – he, he's definitely Will the Pines one. Will didn't want to pay him. Cohen would have paid him. And, uh, yeah, no, that's true. Um, DeGrom obviously would have been in it, but he's – you know, his injuries are, are, yeah. are hurt. I think greatly. for the Mets now, I think DeGrom's going to be done. I don't think he's coming back for the season. I think – and we already heard it. If Syndergaard comes back, he's going to be a, a reliever. Um, I would make him the closer, but they're going to put him in like a low-level uh, blowout situation. So, I think ultimately the Mets probably give – Syndergaard a qualifying offer and he's going to take it. Um, maybe Stroman moves on. Uh, they got Carrasco still. Um, Mets are going to be a different team next year, you would think. All right, Joe, let's, let's talk Yankees. The Yankees are hot. They're coming hot. Uh, hot. They got the Italians and then Rizzo fits right <laughs> in with the team. He instantly 
clubhouse oh, chemistry. Man. He gets COVID like the rest of them. He's out. Um, listen, it's so obvious. You, but the, what the Yankees got to do when when Rizzo comes back is, I'm sorry, but you know, get over it, Aaron Boone. You got to put Stanton in the outfield. You got Stanton, Judge, and Gal in the outfield. You got to put Rizzo first, and Luke Voigt has to DH. Uh, do we for? Are people forgetting? I mean, Yankee fans hating on Luke Voigt kills me because this guy led the league in home runs last year. Uh, that's a tremendous lineup if you could somehow play all those guys. Um, Gary's, Gary's had a solid year. He's come back from COVID as well. Torres has stunk this year. It is what it is. LeMahieu's still good, but he has regressed from last year. Rochelle's coming back from COVID. Uh, you know, Brett Gardner, he's batting 200, but he's still getting clutch hits. He's having a better season than Michael Conforto. Um, what do you think, Joe? Are the Yankees going to sneak in here for the wild card game? And then can you rely on Garrett Cole in that game? Garrett Cole, baby. Uh, they're two back in the wild card. And they're the team that they're behind is Boston, who they've absolutely stunk again this year. If they go 500 against the Red Sox this year, right now, they're in the wild card game and not Boston. But um, yeah, I, the, the injuries have, well, not even the injuries, just the, the COVID here has piled and piled and piled and up. And they've had, I think it was what, 20 guys on, on the IL at some point recently here in the last couple of days. So um, yeah, I, they, the moves that they needed to make at the deadline, they needed to make, but a lot of people were, were saying, oh, they needed the Italians. Oh, they needed the lefty bats. What a lot of people don't realize is both Rizzo and, and Joey Gallo are really, really good yes. defenders. Amazing defenders. The Yankees up until that point this season stunk defensively. They were terrible. And that's not really like the hallmark of a typical Yankees team. So having Rizzo's glove at first base makes a tremendous difference. And yes, I know he went on the COVID list, but um, as great of a hitter as Luke Voigt is, he's not a great defensive first baseman. He's not Anthony Rizzo. And Gallo kind of slides into that role where, um, yes, he's going to hit 230, whatever. He's going to strike out a lot, but he walks a lot, gets on base a lot, and he hits home runs. And that park is conducive to, to home run hitters. So uh, I don't want to leave Dan here in the dust because we've done a lot of talking here. Yeah, I want to ask Dan, how, yeah. how far did the Yankees need to go this season in order for Aaron Boone to save his job? I, I think he's going to be manager next year regardless. I think they're going to pair him up with Brian Cashman because he's under contract next year as well, his final year. So I think they're going to ride it out because whoever they bring in is just going to be just like Aaron Boone. So it's, it's not going to be much of a change there. Uh, philosophically wise. So if that's a word, I don't know philosophically. Yeah. But it's going to, if that's uh that's the word um, it's not going to be any different. Um, so I think he stays. Yeah. I, I think Rizzo and Gallo were as much big just to kind of change the mojo in the clubhouse and kind of just get the team. All right. We, we are going to be competing. I mean, they were floundering like crazy up until the deadline and they didn't really have many pieces to trade. So they were kind of in that position where might as well go for it. I think Gallo, if they just got Gallo, would have been a good move. But getting Rizzo, I mean, to fans anyway, was a shock. I don't know how into yeah. players are trades. But when they brought Rizzo in, it was kind of like, okay, we're, we're they're going to add two big lefty power bats, great defenders, like Joe said, and we're going to go for it. And just adding them to the lineup um, deepened it, um, obviously helped defensively. And it kind of just switched the momentum of the whole team. Now it feels like, you know, they, they go to these games and you feel like they're going to win. I mean, that game against the Royals the other night that goes to the 11th inning or whatever it was, they wouldn't have won that game last month. But, no, you know, absolutely not. They, they pulled out the win. So I think it was really big for them to, to bring these two guys in. So what I think the Yankees will get a lift from now coming down the stretch, um, well, even starting next week, is they're going to get guys back. And I want to read the list of some of the guys who are, are, are in the aisle as of right now, right? Um, and again, this team is 12 over. They're 63 and 51. They're two back in the wild card. So they have Cole out, Chapman, Rizzo, Urshela, Torres, Kluber, Sanchez, Jordan Montgomery, Luis Severino, who I'm going to mention in a minute, uh, Aaron Hicks, who's obviously done. Cliff Frazier, Domingo Herman, and Miguel Andujar. They right? got to get rid of Hex in the offseason. So 
They're what what if Jacoby get... Ellsbury finally comes back after all these years? <laughs> <laughs> so they're going to get Cole and Montgomery back soon from COVID. Severino is big. Severino is making his final rehab start Friday, uh, tomorrow for Scranton Wilkesbury. So chances are he might be back here within the next seven to 10 days. That's optimistic. Now, I don't know if he's going to immediately go into the rotation or if he's going to come out and pitch two innings, three innings, and they're going to kind of ease him back. But the Yankees are going to get healthy down the stretch. They're only two games back. And where they're going to get healthy the most is in the middle back end of that rotation and potentially guys who can come into the fold and eat innings, which is what they need. Uh, Corey Kluber is more likely to be back if he does come back, I think, in September as opposed to August. But they're going to get guys healthy back there. So if they get those guys back healthy and everything kind of situates, situates itself properly, two-parter, do you agree with my point on Severino? Do you think they're going to try him out in the rotation when he does come back? And do you think if they get those guys back uh, from a rotation and pitching perspective, is that strong enough for them to win two thirds of their games down the stretch here and get in? Yeah. So the Severino part, I do think he'll probably be not an opener, but definitely like a three inning, four inning guy. I don't think they're going to push him very far um, in 2021 at all, whether even if he stays healthy through the playoffs, like I think he's going to be, at most a uh, four inning guy. I, that's just my feeling on it, um, which is fine. I don't think they should overwork him either, um, even though they're probably going to need him. But, you know, they have a lot of weapons in the bullpen as well. Haven't been performing uh, consistently throughout the year, but, um, you know, they have enough arms where they can kind of piggyback off of Severino. Like, you know, once Severino and eventually Cole Montgomery, maybe even Kluber come back, you move those Nestor Cortez is and Andrew Heaney's to the bullpen. And those guys could be the, the bulk or at least, you know, another two, three innings after Severino. So I think that'll definitely work out. And like you said, I think these pitching moves, it, it will be enough to do it. I mean, we know the offense, if it performs to its potential should be good enough to carry the team, regardless of who's pitching. Um, but I think based on what we've seen out of the pitching as a whole, which I'd say, has leaned more on surprise. Like they, they've been good this year and not a lot of people expected that. So I think as long as they keep that up, um, just, you know, doesn't have to be great, but good. And the offense, you know, finds its groove, you know, they, they're going to be a real problem going to the playoffs. And this is different than other years where, Yankees, especially in this current uh, with this current crop of talent, they've dominated during the regular season. Then once his playoffs come, it's kind of, you know, been a flounder. Uh, but now it's been like the earlier in the season, they've, you know, tried to find that groove. They've been up and down. And now post trade deadline, it seems like they're starting to get on the right foot. So maybe everything could kind of hit at the same time. And once the playoffs come, they'll be clicking on all cylinders. So I think right now that's kind of where it's looking if all things go as they're going. Uh, what do you what do you do, uh, Dan? If let's say we come down to the, the end of the season and everything works out good, and the last day of the year, Yankees got to win to get in the wild card game. Do you throw Garrett Cole and then you just say we'll worry about the wild card game tomorrow? What what what, what do you think we go there? Because I think it's possible with the way you know that everybody's playing here and, the, and it's tight. I wouldn't rule out the Blue Jays yet either, but. Um, I think we could see a game 163 this season to see who goes into the wild card. But what, what would your strategy be there quickly there? Obviously, you want to get Cole to at least get you in the playoffs. But then, I mean, what do you do? You go to tie on in, in the wild card game? Yeah, I think if there's any game on the line, whatever it is, 163 wild card, you have to go Garrett Cole. I know he hasn't been um, as great as he's been in the past this year, but you're paying him all that money. He is your eighth for a reason. You have to stick with that. So, I mean, you know, like you said, Tyon, he's been fantastic, especially the last couple of months. And Yankee um, fans they, were killing him in April. Killing no, him. They, I, was one, listen, I was one of them. But I, I thought that he should have been, you know, in AAA to start the year and kind of work these kinks out there. But to be completely honest, the Yankees, um, you know, their gameplay with him has been – pretty strong. So I can't really doubt what they've done. Uh, they, they built him up properly. Now he's firing on all cylinders. So it's been great. But going back to before, I think no matter what game it is, is if the season's on the line, you have to go no matter what. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Now, last question here. It is football season. So 
I need to know how many times am I going to be seeing you tweet this year about a big Evan Ingram drop in every freaking game. And is this going to hope, I hope this is the last season we got to see of Daniel Jones and Evan Ingram and, and we can start fresh with Russell Wilson or, uh, or Aaron Rodgers because you put one of those guys on the Giants last season, as Joe likes to always point out, they're, uh, they're a contender. But well, your, your thoughts on Evan Ingram and Daniel Jones going into this season? Oh, man, Evan Ingram. The guy has pro ball. T- he went to the Pro Bowl last year. <laughs> guy has more talent in his pinky than three of us combined, but he's just – I don't know, man. He's, he's, I think he's a head guy, man. He just can't – figure it out he just it's it's small in his head so there was a picture already um i think it was yesterday during fan fest it was fans were getting on him because he dropped the pass from uh daniel jones again so uh, that was interesting but so it seems like things haven't changed listen the problem i have with him is he's always my fantasy football tight end because i wait and then i say oh listen yeah he's having ingram he'll be all right this year and then it's just nah so i'm over it um hope he does well obviously love the giants and you know like i said uber talented player so you always have hopes but definitely not getting my hopes up for the giants or for my fantasy football league so i'll kind of go both there and say i don't know i'm ready for someone new maybe it could be um kyle rudolph you never know giants i'm gonna say around seven wins i'll set the over on their jets i think they'll be much better four wins they're going to be doubling their win total, triple. So four wins for the Jets. Four um, 13, baby. Here we come. Yeah, <laughs> gonna happen. We'll see. But Dan, uh, you know, it's, it's been, it's been, uh, and the man. Great. I try. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it as always. Thanks for coming on doing this with us. Is there anything else you would like to share or promote? Because you know how we do last words here. Yeah, no, just always find me on Twitter, always train about something. Add Dan J. Federico. Um, like you guys said, I'm working for uh, Sports Illustrated site, their Fan Nation Yankee site, uh, doing blogs here and there under the Yankees beat writer Max Goodman, who's fantastic follow for all Yankees fans. So, yeah, just you catch me on there, but really just tweeting a lot. So, yeah, just follow me on Twitter, always talking Yankees, wrestling, Giants, anything. So, and your following always- has grown too here in the last year or so. So, you've done a really, really good job building yourself up. And I, I notice a lot of people are going to you for a lot more news and, and info and Yankees tidbits and stuff here and there. So, you're a great Thank job. You. I'd love to have you on again. As always, this was so much fun. Of course, guys. Anytime you want me, just let me know. I'll always have you be on. All right, so that's going to do it here for this episode of You Know I'm Right for our special guest, Dan Federico, and for my co-host, Joe Calabrese, I'm Nick Durstead. This has been You Know I'm Right. Simplify your federal agency's technology procurement with Connection Public Sector Solutions. Connection's dedicated account managers, commitment to exceptional customer service, and extensive catalog of federal contracts make IT purchases quick, easy, and affordable. Turn your challenges into opportunities and get rid of your technology pain points with Connection today. Learn more about what's possible with Connection Public Sector Solutions at connection.com slash fedcontracts.